And Lord, we rest in that fact. We trust you, God. We, 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 we fall into the only safety net we have, which is, is you. We thank you that in all things, you are in control. God, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this church family. We thank you for this place that's nice and air-conditioned and dry that we can come and worship you. But Lord, we know, God, that, that we are the bride. Wherever we are worshiping you, that's, that's church. We thank you that we get to do this. But, but Lord, we know that wherever we meet, however we meet, we are the church. And that will never cease to be, and we will never stop doing that. Lord, I thank you that you hear us. I thank you that you work on us, and we pray this morning as we study your word that you would continue that work in our lives, that we would continually be drawn closer to you. Use this upcoming D group to do that, uh, this year of Bible reading. Lord, as we come to your word, forgive us where we have failed you. Forgive us of our sins. We confess those to you now, asking that you would cleanse our hearts to break down the wall of separation that our sinfulness builds, not that you lose sight of us, Lord, but that we lose sight of you. And this morning, we would hear from you as you speak through your word. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4a. So just the first half of that verse, uh, 4, only because that's where the period is. It actually goes with verses 4b through 11-ish, something around there. But uh, because the period is there, we're going to just set us up where we are going. Louder for those in the back. It's, it's funny that uh, Paul would begin uh, this, this passage that way, and that's kind of what he's saying. I, he, he's going to tell them, you know, I don't mind telling you all this again. Uh, I'll tell you as many times as I need to, and I'll even say it louder for those in the back who might not be able to hear me. But that's the title, that's the passage, that's the, the kind of the point he's making. Um, how many times have you thought, not just in the last four years, but in the last however many years you've been going to church, how many times have you thought, oh, we've heard this passage preached before? We've heard this sermon before. Why is he preaching on that again? Paul was kind of anticipating that sort of thing from the church in Philippi. Paul, why are you saying this again? And he totally disarms them, and he says, oh, don't worry about me. No, I'm fine saying it again. Now, everybody knows, y'all ain't thinking, why is he saying that again? It must have been tough on him to prepare a message about something he's already preached on. Everybody knows what you're thinking is, I don't want to hear this again. But Paul totally disarms that and says, thank you for thinking about me and worried that I might not want to prepare a sermon that I've already prepared before or to repeat something I've already repeated. I have no problem doing that, Paul says. And the reason is, we need lane bumpers. Now, I don't know how long it's been since some of you have been bowling, uh, probably about six months at least, um, four months. I, I think actually the bowling lanes have been open some of this time, so maybe uh, you, you've been bowling. But you, you know, for, for those of us who aren't any good at it, 
I bowl a smooth 90 every time I go. Um, they, they have now, and they didn't have these when I was a kid, at least I don't remember them, the lane bumpers for the kids who, or who regularly throw gutter balls or the 45-year-olds that re regularly throw gutter balls. Um, it's not my fault, by the way. I, I'm fattish, fat-ish, and I have fat fingers, and I can't use little 10-pound balls because my fingers won't fit. They don't make them big enough. I have to use a 16-pound balls, and I'm also weak. So that's why I don't bowl. But anyway, um, that was just an aside. That doesn't have a theological point at all. We need those lane bumpers for the kids and people like me. Well, in life, we need the lane bumpers. Have you ever seen the kid that just has no, uh, to quote one of my children, has the hand-eye coordination of a goldfish and, 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 and throws that bowling ball and, and you just don't, and it, it's a it boom, 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 until it gets to the back end of the, the alley and lo and behold, strike. I want to kick that kid across the bowling alley when that happens. But that's what, and, and why? They had the, the lane bumpers, and the, the bumpers worked all the way down until the ball got to its destination. Well, as believers, we need the lane bumpers. We need those things that throw us back into the, the middle, and it's the same lane bumper all the way down on both sides. Repetition is one of those things, one of those primary things that serves as a lane bumper in the life of the believer. So Paul says, I don't mind at all putting up these lane bumpers for you and you hearing the same message over and over again. Shoot, as I preached through Acts, there were times almost two, uh, rarely was it the same sermon topic two weeks in a row, but there were times where there was like one Sunday gap before we had to go back and talk about the same thing again. And it was no burden for me to do that, just as it was no burden for Paul. So that's how he begins this, and that's why I've uh, entitled it Louder for Those in the Back. Just one more time, Paul's going to say some things that he's already said, and later on, just so you know, he's going to say them again. Read with me Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again uh, about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. A lane bumper, right? Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. And that's where we're going to end today. We'll get to his quote-unquote reasons for confidence next week. So he begins this passage with well, this, these three verses for us here, three and a half verses, have four imperatives. Remember, I've talked about grammar more probably as we've worked through Philippians than I have at, at any other time in my preaching. Because it's important. And we have four imperatives, the do this verbs, right? Rejoice, watch out, watch out, watch out. Well, just based on repetition, we could see um, where maybe a lot of the emphasis is going to lie in this passage, but the fact that he put rejoice first is something that we cannot 
pass up. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He uses my brothers and sisters again, letting them know that, that term of endearment. Y'all, we are all in this together. Uh, uh, it's part of the family, part of the relationship that we have. Rejoice in the Lord. He echoes here verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2 where he says, But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is telling them, In the midst of my persecution, whatever happens in the coming days, however it ends up, I want, I'm going to rejoice and be glad, and you should also rejoice and be glad. He is telling them to rejoice through trials in verse 1. And it's not just trials, though, or, or not, maybe not trials just the way we think of them. I, I can see four different ways as this one verse hinges between what he's already said and what he's going to say uh, for areas in our lives that we should rejoice. First, in persecution, what he was just talking about in verses 17 and 18. Regardless of what happens to me for the faith, I'm going to rejoice and you should rejoice with me. Rejoice that it is happening to me. Rejoice, Jesus has said in other places, when you are persecuted. Rejoice in the fact that you are persecuted. And that does not make sense to us on an emotional level, but when we get to it on a spiritual level and we think about the fact, I am enough of a believer... My life is different enough from those who aren't believers that they are going to persecute me because of it. There's enough evidence in my life to convict me of being a believer. It's a great question for us to ask of ourselves today and answer. Is there enough evidence in your life today that if you sat in court and they piled up all the evidence against you for being a believer, would there be enough to convict you beyond a reasonable doubt? Or would they sit there and go, eh, I don't see any evidence. Paul says in persecution, when there is evidence of, of our uh, faith, rejoice that that evidence is there. In struggle, he's, he's talked about uh, in the uh, verses 19 through 26, or 19 through 30, rather, uh, their, their own uh, internal struggle as a church, the, those things that we've talked about already that are beginning to arise, that he's, he's telling them, be careful about. And he's going to tell them now in verses 2 and 3, uh, specifically verse 2, things to watch out for, things that are going to come up very likely in your community of faith, in your church family. Watch out for them. In the struggle that that will be, in the struggle that he's already hinted at in the past, things that are going on, and it, we've talked about uh, Syntyche and Euodia that he's uh, going to talk about in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. It, it's there, it's, it's kind of under the surface, it's not a big deal right now, but he's saying in this struggle, in these problems that you're going to have in your church, rejoice, be glad, rejoice, in the Lord, in sickness. He's told us about how uh, Epaphroditus humbled himself to death, is how we compared him to having the, the attitude of Jesus from chapter 2, early in chapter 2. He, he, in his sickness, in his 
debilitating illness that nearly killed him, he rejoiced in the opportunity that that sickness gave him to be an example of what it is to lay down your life for the Lord. And he also never gave up his calling as a believer. There was plenty of evidence to convict Epaphroditus of being a believer, even in the midst of his sickness. And then in correction, rejoice in the Lord in correction. Paul is not going to do a lot of correcting in this book, in this letter, to the Philippian church. It's more some warnings and encouragings. It, it, it's not like he's, when he's talking to the Galatians, um, about how quickly, how, how you've been so quickly bewitched by these false teachings. Have you fallen for this stuff so quickly? It's not like when he was telling the church in Corinthians, kick the guy out that's living in sin, let the devil have him for a while, and once he repents, let him back in. I mean, he's not giving those sorts of instructions in Philippians, but it is still correction. It is still uh, admonition. It is still discipling. And in the midst of that, and Etta talked about that this morning in, in her uh, Connect Group lesson, we aren't usually that keen on being corrected. Don't want to be told that we're wrong. Don't want to be told that what we're doing... And, and we, some of us can handle just getting facts wrong easier than we can other things. But very few of us want to hear what you're doing is unbiblical and you need to stop that. A Christian should not be doing that. If you don't believe me, tell somebody that, that makes a comment on Facebook or other social media that isn't biblical and see what happens. I've heard. Saying for a friend. We don't like correction, and yet Paul is correcting the folks here, and he's wanting them to know, rejoice in correction. Because all correction does is make us more like Jesus. And shouldn't we rejoice in being more like Jesus, having the attitude of Jesus, right, that he talked about in chapter 2? And he says, rejoice in the Lord, this little prepositional phrase. That in the Lord would be the occasion and the, and the purpose of, for our joy when we are in the lord when we are with him when we are experiencing him rejoice and our joy is the purpose we we rejoice because or so that we can experience god better but it's also what we've talked about and when we went through ephesians uh, on wednesday nights it's in the sphere of his lordship we are in christ and that kind of doesn't make sense to us how are we in jesus how are we in christ we are in his sphere we are within his sphere of influence rejoice within the context of living out the life of the believer in the sphere of god's uh, uh lordship over us and influence through us but that joy is not found in in god and the lord is is not just a spiritual reaction to what we're going through. It is, we, we rejoice in our persecution as a spiritual reaction to that persecution. We, we rejoice in our sickness as a spiritual reaction to that sickness. But as Paul transitions here to verse 2, there's more to the joy than just a spiritual reaction. It is a spiritual preparation. Joy is our safety. He says, to write to you again about this is, is no trouble for me. And is a safeguard for you. It is safety for you. It is 
armor for you, he is saying. Joy is our safety and our strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord will be my strength. The joy of the Lord. Not, and he could have said a lot of things, and in other places the Bible does say things, but in other things. But in this particular context, in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord, the joy that I have in all of these situations, the joy that I have in any situation, is what strengthens me to overcome whatever's coming next. Certainly faith does too. Certainly confidence in the grace of God does. Certainly uh, belief in, and trusting God's sovereignty does. Those are all aspects of a believer's life that, that we, uh, we use and we um, utilize in order to take on whatever's coming next. But specifically in this case, in this instance, that's why I don't preach the whole Bible every week, I just preach the passage we're on. And in this passage today, what we need to hear is that joy is our strength. Joy is an armor that prepares us to battle those that we should watch out for. Verse 2, those that we should watch out for. So he says, watch out. Uses this strong language uh, three different times. Watch out for do the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, some pretty harsh language that Paul uses here. It, it's not as harsh as it is. Some of y'all aren't going to like me when I say this, but it's just what it is. Sarcasm. He is using cutting sarcasm. Now let's see what I'm talking about here. First of all, dogs. It, 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 we, we call somebody a dog, and, and we usually know that's not a compliment. I mean, that, that pretty much goes across all cultures um, for all time, even those of us who, who really, really like dogs. That, that's usually not meant as a compliment. It certainly was not meant as a compliment in this day and time. Dogs were not pets. Dogs were uh, the, the, the carrion of the city. They were the ones that ate the garbage, ate the dead things. They were useful idiots, basically, is, is what people thought of them. And they were unclean to the Jews. A dog was an unclean thing. It could mess you up for the temple if you messed with it. So when Paul says, watch out for the dogs, what he is really saying is not watch out for these people we don't like and we call dirty names. Watch out for those who are unclean, those who are outside the faith. The sarcasm, the, the turn on the, those who he is arguing against at this point is they were arguing for something that made them clean now i've i've been told and reminded numerous times that my uh call sermon that i preached july 17th i have to it's their anniversary amy and tom's anniversary july 17th four years ago there's one word I used a million times in that sermon, never realized it, never thought about it, but now I think about it every time I say it. But sorry, but I have to use it again because this passage talks about it. Circumcision. What they were saying was that physical act makes you clean, and if you don't do that, you aren't clean is what the, the people that Paul is speaking against were saying. And they're trying to bring that Paul at least anticipates they're going to try to bring that into the church in Philippi. They did it in Galatia. 
that was one of the things they were doing. That's great that you're a believer. That's great you're trusted Jesus, but you've got to do this thing to really be a believer. You have to have this outward show, this external act in order to really be a Christian. And if you don't, you're not. It's Jesus and something else. Jesus and something else is always a false gospel. Always. If you add anything to Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, trust Jesus and, fill in the blank, it's a false gospel. Paul says in the Galatians, it's not just a small turn from the gospel. It's not just a little different. It's not a small variation. It is 180 degrees different from the actual gospel. You think you're just adding a little bit of problem, a little bit of extra, but what you're doing is ruining the whole thing. And he says these people that are wanting to ruin the whole thing, they think they're clean, they think they're pure, they think they're bringing you proper religion, but in fact, they're as unclean as they can get. They use nice words, but that's not what they're about. So watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the unclean. He says, secondly, watch out for the evil workers. Satan's tools, basically. Again, sarcasm, a reversal of what the people thought they were. They thought they were bringing further righteousness in the church. I'm glad you're a Christian, but let me tell you how you can be an even better person, how you can be more Christian, how you can be more Christ-like. This, this follows well on what Paul has already said at the beginning of chapter 2. To be Christ-like, empty yourself and humble yourself. What were all the things Paul said? Well, Paul said, empty yourself, think of others more than yourself, and, and humble yourself even to the point of death, death on a cross. The, 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 give yourself up for the gospel. So don't think about yourself and humble yourself to the point, uh, or give yourself even to death for the gospel. What were all the things? Did he talk about circumcision in that? Did he talk about any other outward show? No. Now, would there be outward shows? Would there be visible, excuse me, visible uh, manifestations of emptying and humbling? When you, yes, oh, absolutely, it would change our lives. It would change everything we would we do. It would change how we react, how we talk, uh, what we say. All these things would be changed, certainly. But Paul is not saying to change those things to be more like Jesus. Changing these symptoms, change the root, empty and humble. So these folks that sh will show up potentially at the church in Philippi, Paul knows it's coming, are telling you that to be more righteous, you change these things. You, you change these symptoms. And Paul's saying, they're, they're not workers of righteousness. They are workers of evil. They are telling you that to be, more, uh, be a better Christian, that you can't, or in this case, you have to do these things that, that have been set up by them to prove your Christianness. We call that legalism. And I know we don't have that in Baptist churches. Nobody has ever said that you can't be a Christian and dance in the Baptist church. I know that's never happened. Nobody said you can't play cards and be a Christian in the Baptist church. Nobody said you can't play dominoes and be a Christian in the Baptist church. I know it's never happened. I, I know that, uh, wow, when I get loud, it feeds back or something. It distorts. I, 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 maybe that's, maybe I need to quit getting loud. Um, distracting me. Maybe it's not distracting y'all at all. 
I know that's never happened in the Baptist church, but in here, in, in, in Philippi, certainly in Galatia, it was happening. To be a proper Christian, proper Christians do this. Now again, there are plenty of places in Scripture that tell us how to act. Let's just keep on with Galatians for a minute. On the uh, part of Paul writing to the church in Galatia, he says, outward manifestations, outward changes in your life don't prove or disprove anything. Yet, he goes on to say, we know what the works of the flesh are, Galatians 5, 19, 20. And then he goes on to say what the works of the Spirit are, Galatians 5, 22, 23. We, we know that he sets up a, 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 a dichotomy of what it means to act in the flesh and act in the spirit. So there are evidences, absolutely, but it's not that we say, I'm going to be uh, uh, patient, kind, faithful, good, all these things, I'm going to decide to be these things. What he says is, through the spirit, we are those things. If we empty ourselves and humble ourselves, then the spirit works through us to make us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I, I can't say those things as, as verbs. I have to say them as nouns because that's the way I learned them. But um, that's, that's, that's what ends up happening. And the works of the flesh are the opposite and, and, and much worse than those things. So they are evil workers. They, they have Satan's tools. They are using Satan's tools to put burdens on the church that aren't there. And then lastly, they are mutilators. He, he says, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh, which is actually a, a, a pun. He's, he's twisting the word in Greek for circumcision to mean something else, just a few little letter changes that they would have heard in Greek that we don't, we don't hear. But what's going on is that they are bringing destruction they are destroying, mutilation, the, the idea of destroying something, in this case, cutting something up. They are bringing destruction to the church. They think they are bringing purity. They think they are bringing the, the way things should be done. They are building up the church better when, in fact, they are destroying the very church that Jesus has set up. So Paul says, watch out for these people who are the exact opposite of what they said and thought they were they say they're doing this for the church they're really just doing it for themselves they say they are protecting the church building up the church they're really doing it for themselves and bringing destruction on the church if you like alliteration uh, and it helps you to remember watch out for the dogs the demons and the destroyers if that helps you Watch out for those dogs, demons, and destroyers. And as you watch out for them, he moves on to verse 3. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. So he says, as you watch out for what's going on, those people that are going to bring that into the church, remain different. You know who you are. You know by faith, you know by the working of the Spirit, and, and, and you realize, let me say this as an aside, if we always did what the Holy Spirit told us to do, we would never sin. Right? If we were always obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we would never sin. If we always listened, 
So if we live by the Spirit, we would never have to worry about, and I say worry about, we, we wouldn't, the Ten Commandments wouldn't come up. I'd never even think about murder because I'm living by the Spirit, and the Spirit would never tell me to murder. I'd never think about lying because the Spirit would never allow me to think that lying would be, would be what I need to do. I, if I live by the Spirit day to day to day to day, as he tells us to do again in Galatians, then we wouldn't have issues with these things. But we do. So we need to remain different. We need to work on this. When Paul says, we, we are the circumcision, he's a Jew talking to a church of primarily and maybe completely Gentiles who weren't circumcised. So we are the circumcision. We are the ones who have, are set apart, who are different, who have, in, in Old Testament language, the, the prophets constantly said, circumcise your hearts. Cut off the old. Cut off the unnecessary. Get rid of what you need to get rid of and follow me, he says. And Paul says, we are. Whether this physical thing happened to you or not, we are all God's people. Because we remain different three ways. We worship by the Spirit. The ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Now, this is not just singing honor and praise. This is not just coming in and for 20, 30 minutes singing and, and as you sit at home and you're playing uh, worship music or, or hymns or gospel or whatever it is you listen to at home and, and you sing along with that. It, it's not just that. Remember Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. There's discussion on how that should be translated there at the end. Uh, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, for this is your reasonable act of... If I waited long enough, I'd hear some say worship, and I'd hear some say service, because they're two sides of the same coin. Our service is our worship. You want to worship God? Serve Him. You want to worship the Lord? Do what He tells you to do. You want to worship, do the ministry, work for the kingdom. So it's not just singing honor and praise here, worship by the Spirit, but serve by the Spirit. Do what He would have you to do, which if we go back to Epaphroditus and Timothy, right above what we're talking about, we see them doing that. Timothy emptying himself, caring more about the church, caring more about Everyone else caring more about the gospel than himself. Putting others' needs before himself. We say that with Epaphroditus. Humbling himself, willing to die for the gospel if that's what ne is necessary. And as we talked about last week, willing to die for the gospel, for, for an, a, a service to the kingdom that did not directly share the gospel with anybody as far as we can see. Remember that? We talked about how he was going to minister to Paul. He was taking a mission trip to make the missionary feel better. Now, did he share the gospel? Did he work in the ministry when he got there? Probably so. But what we see is that Epaphroditus was willing to die for the gospel, Paul says, when really what he was doing was ministering to Paul on behalf of the church. So we see that service is worship, and we see it over and over. So that's what we are, Paul says. That's who we are. We worship 
by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Interestingly, interesting that Paul would put Spirit of God on here. That is not uncommon in the New Testament, Spirit of God. It is uncommon for Paul. Paul didn't use that phrase very often, Spirit of Jesus, or just Spirit. But Spirit of God was not something he used very often. Why would he throw in something here that he didn't use very often? It appears he is further making that point. The, 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 uh, he's reversing who the Judaizers, that's what we'd call these that would come in and say you need to do this outward thing to be more Christian, that we called them, they call, were called Judaizers. These Judaizers are coming in. We worship by the Spirit of God. Philippians, you are of God. Church, you of our God. You, of are, you are of God. There we go. But not the dogs, demons, and destroyers. They are not. They don't serve by the Spirit of God. They serve by the Spirit of evil workers devils the satan that is who they serve we serve by the spirit we he says boast in jesus boast in christ jesus your translation may say glory in that is what our our per, where our purpose is found that is where I, our our identity is found and that's where our existence is found what can I do for the kingdom? The answer is nothing apart from Christ. So I don't boast in my ability to uh, preach. I don't boast in my ability to teach. I don't boast in my ability to study. I don't uh, boast in my ability to sing. I don't boast uh, in my ability to do any of the things that God has called me to do for the kingdom. I boast in the Christ who empowers me who who called me the i boast in the spirit who filled me and gave me the the gifts to do those things i've told y'all before that i am not a public speaker and and, and my ministry calling i i believe that my ministry calling for five years was not based on a gifting from god but what i understood what uh, what i understood my natural talent already to be I was a singer already, and I could sing in front of people and had been since I was five years old. So at 15, when I felt called to the ministry, I assumed because of my natural talent and my natural aversion to speaking in public, God wanted me to go into music and be a music minister. And for five years, that's what I pursued, all the way through a couple of years of the School of Music at LSU. And I was wrong. Because I was trusting in my own abilities. I was boasting in my ability to sing. I mean, I, I, could, I could do like Paul here for just a second, what he's going to do next, and say, and, and I don't know if I've ever told anybody this really, I got a full-ride scholarship to the School of Music at LSU, and, my, and I didn't know you were supposed to audition. I thought you just showed up and they said, oh, you can sing? Great, join us. That's not the way it works. You audition. And I, when, when I walked into the School of Music, it was Tiger Day at LSU. We were seniors in April. It was like the day before my birthday or day after, something like that, uh, that we went to this Tiger Day. And they, they said, well, you split up and you went to the schools that you were going to, to go to. It was for the top 10% 
of, of the uh, public schools in Louisiana. So a bunch of friends of mine and I went to LSU. We spent t- a couple of days there. And we went to our various schools. And I went to the School of Music. And I was honestly just there to think about it. As a matter of fact, if you'd asked me that day where I was going to college, I was going to Louisiana College. I'd gotten a scholarship up there. It wasn't nearly as helpful as the one I got to LSU, but I'd gotten a scholarship to Louisiana College and hadn't even tried out yet. So I had plenty to boast about. I went to the School of Music, and they said, all right, what are you singing for your audition? And I said, what? What audition? We'll just sing something you've been doing in choir. And my high school didn't have a choir. Well, do you know any songs? I'm like, no, not just to stand up and suddenly sing. And finally, the director of the department said, do you know America the Beautiful? Yeah. What's your key? And the, 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 (laughs) thank you, Chelsea. And the director of the department said, he sounds like A, Platon A. I'm like, okay. And I sang America the Beautiful. I mean, just, that that was it. First line, from memory. I got a scholarship to LSU, okay? Now, it's caused, partially caused my ACT scores and some other things, but now, to that 18-year-old who believed he was following God's will, that was something to boast in. I am absolutely right where I'm supposed to be because look what I did. And then God, two years after that, said, nice, you know, good for you. You got your pat on the back. That's not what I called you to, boy. I called you to preach. I called you to speak in front of people. And now I can't boast in anything other than God gifted me to do it. I've told you before, talk 30, 40 minutes in front of people? Uh Uh-uh. Now I'm disappointed that's all I get to talk. If you want to sit for a while, we can keep going. It's, It's fine. Boast in Jesus. Our faith is placed in Him alone. That is who we serve. So we don't boast in anything external. We talked about that last week a little bit too. Not our political parties, not our races, not any of those things. We boast only in Christ. And then thirdly, he says, watch out, uh, uh, we, we do not put confidence in the flesh. We don't count on externals. We don't count on external signs. I am a certain way, I Uh, dress a certain way, I do certain things, therefore I am obviously a Christian, nor do we uh, count on external influences. Because this person, I listen to this person, I'm a Christian, or because of this influence on me, I am a Christian. We don't put any faith, any confidence in the flesh. We don't count on anything that we can do or have done in order to rejoice in the Lord, and to follow His will. So watch out for the dogs, demons, and destroyers, and remain different. You are the ones who worship by the Spirit, who boast in Jesus, and don't count on externals. So what are we supposed to do with this, Michael? Well, first thing I tell you to do is rejoice in the reminders. Be excited, be happy. I get to hear that message again, I must really need it. We don't ever think that. We usually think, well, somebody in this church must have needed it. What we need to think is, 
I really needed it. If God is telling me this again, how many times should you read your Bible, by the way? Once, I did it, I'm done, I saw that I got to the ending. Good one, page turner. I think we read that more than that is what we're supposed to do, is a constant reminder. Rejoice in the reminders. Watch out for those that would destroy the church, the dogs, the demons, the destroyers, the ones who claim certain things, but their entire purpose is the exact opposite of what they claim. And then finally, we hold to a narrow, rigid gospel. I wish I could have thought of a better word than narrow, because that sounds like I mean <clears throat> narrow. And I do, I, I do mean narrow, but, but I mean something else. I mean narrow in that it's only a couple of things. The gospel says, believe in Jesus and you shall be saved. Repent of your sins, trust him for your, as your savior, and you will be saved. Gospel of John, believe, 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 over and over and over. That's the gospel. It is very narrow what the gospel actually is. Not believe and have some external sign. Not believe and think this way. Y'all, not believe and vote this way. That does not make you a Christian. We believe. We hold to a very narrow gospel that says, Trust Jesus as your Savior, believe on Him for your salvation, and you will be saved. But it is rigid. And I meant rigid when I said rigid. There's no wiggle room. You don't get to believe in Jesus and something else. You don't get to have many paths to God. You don't get to be a Jesus believer and a Hindu believer. You don't get to put your faith in other so it is narrow. There are very few requirements, but those requirements must be met, and they cannot be added to. And some of you think, I, I hold to a narrow, rigid gospel, but no, you don't, because some of us would say that Democrats can't be saved. Some of us would say if they come in here with tattoos, they're not good Christians. Sorry. Some of you say if they're drunk, they can't be saved. Some of you say if they're pro-choice, they can't be saved. Jesus changes us, but not on our timetable. And certainly, he doesn't change them on my timetable. So, we have a narrow gospel that is very rigid. And some of you, that, that say you hold to this narrow, rigid gospel, some of you are worried right now that when you die, you won't be good enough to go to heaven. Now, you'd never probably say that out loud. That's a fear that you hold. What if I'm wrong? What if I wasn't good enough? What if there's that one thing I didn't confess, that one sin I forgot to confess? I, I missed it that day, and, and, and I did it again, and oh, what if I do it right before I die? You, you don't hold to a narrow, rigid gospel. You, you're holding to a gospel of works, or at least you're only hoping you're right that it isn't a gospel of works. Get that right. 
And maybe you need to understand that uh, your salvation differently anyway. Maybe you need to understand that salvation comes by faith. F-A-I-T-H. How many of y'all went through faith evangelism at some point in your church career? Either probably here, because it was recent enough. Uh, yeah, so y'all know where I'm going with this. You want, need to understand that you need forgiveness for your sins. That, that it is your sin that separates you. And we have that forgiveness in Jesus. Not in an external act. Not in a thing. Not in something you do. But in your uh, in your faith in Christ. That forgiveness is available for everyone. John 3, 16. Uh, God so loved the world. Loved the world in this manner. But we learn as you went through this that it's not automatic, is it? You don't automatically get saved. God loves the world, but he didn't save the whole world. Faith is required because it is impossible for sin and God to coexist. We're all sinful, and God will judge our sin, and he will reject our sin. And if we are dead in our sins, and I mean we haven't accepted Christ once we die, then we will be rejected by him. We will all experience that judgment. Our sin will be judged. The question is, though, what happened before we came to that judgment? Did we, T, turn to Christ? Did we turn from our sin, repent of our sin, and be saved, turn to Jesus? And that's what you need to do. You don't turn to works. You don't turn to these things that Paul is telling us to watch out for. We turn only to Christ, and then we get heaven. We get eternal life. We get forgiveness for our sins. We get heaven here. I've said this before, too. For unbelievers, coronavirus is the only heaven some th those people will know. This is the best they will ever experience without Christ. But as believers, this earth, these viruses, these problems... These are the worst things we'll ever experience. After death, it's better than this as believers. So we get heaven now. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and might have it more abundantly, and we get it forever. He said he has gone to prepare a place for us, and he will. And he'll come back and get us, his believers, his, his family, his, his brothers and sisters in him. And if you don't know that forgiveness, if you haven't had that salvation experience, if you've not placed your faith in Christ, you can do that today. And it is as simple as believing. Trusting Jesus is your Savior. Repenting of your sin, knowing that He can save you from those sins, and He will work in your heart. You can do that right where you are, whether you're here in this room, whether you're at home watching. You can experience that this morning with just a prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are yours if we have been bought by the blood, if we have trusted Jesus Christ, if we have turned to him. We thank you that we no longer have to depend on anything of our own, nothing that we do, nothing external, nothing outside of Jesus Christ. The, the, the load that that removes from us, because I stink at it. We all do. None of us are good enough. But Lord, you have taken away the good enough part and said, 
Believe in my Son. And Lord, that's what we do. And I pray this morning that we will glory as believers in that. We will rejoice in the opportunity to hear again that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of anything that we can do. And Lord, I pray that those who have not experienced that salvation this morning would come to faith, would trust Jesus as their Savior, and follow Him, repent of their sins, and believe that He is all they need. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. So what's your decision today? We're going to have a time of, of response where you respond right where you are. If you'd like to connect with us on Facebook or through the Faith Life app, if, you would, uh, if you're watching online and you'd like to send us a message or an email, please do that and let us know how God's working on you. But whatever your decision is this morning, let us know about it and let these few minutes work to solidify what he's doing in your heart as we worship him and he uh, works on you today. Thank you.